Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs wanting to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. I'm an expert in performance and mindset, supporting business owners to create exceptional results in life and business. And I achieve this through coaching, training, speaking, and my online programs. I started this podcast to discover how other thought business leaders create and enjoy success, and to identify the common strategies and techniques, as well as the mindset they have adopted to live their version of exceptional. My aim is simple. It's for you to learn and implement the valuable lessons shared in these episodes. You deserve to live and enjoy an exceptional life, but in order to achieve this, you will need to adopt new strategies and ways of thinking to accomplish your goals. Now, don't forget to hit that subscribe button to make sure you don't miss any of these brilliant episodes. Head over to jeffnicholson.co.uk to register for my Kick Mediocrity in the Nuts newsletter, as well as all you need to know on how to connect with me on social media or join the Facebook group. Now, on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So firstly, I must apologize that we haven't been running out every single week with an episode. We've had a couple of technical issues. They have been rectified, hopefully touch wood in every part of the office. Um, but we are gonna start with a great guest today, and that is Charles Kamazaska. Now, Charles is an author, consultant, and founder of the e-commerce boardroom, a resource center, SaaS tool, and incubator for aspiring entrepreneurs and small brands that are looking to grow their businesses online. Charles, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. Great to be with you. So I'm really looking forward to our interview. Can you give us a little bit of a backstory of what's brought you to this point today? Absolutely. I'll see if I can keep it to uh, 90 seconds or less. That's what I'm going to target here. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I was born and raised in just outside of Tampa, Florida, uh, but I went to school for college uh, at the University of Notre Dame in Indiana, uh, where I studied uh, accounting and entrepreneurship. Um, I graduated and moved out to Chicago, where I spent about five or six years as a management and technology consultant, where I was able to work with some kind of Fortune 500 level companies um, on process optimization and technology implementation projects. But throughout that time, I was always sort of interested in entrepreneurship, and uh, I was sort of attracted to this idea of uh, selling products from my living room, is what I like to say, uh, products that I don't have to, never really have to touch or see myself. Um, So for that reason, I was drawn to e-commerce as an outlet for my entrepreneurship um, and for my entrepreneurship interest. Um, I, of course, failed uh, for various reasons, which we can talk about uh, through the interview Um, until I sort of tried to apply the lessons that I had learned as a management consultant to the world of e-commerce. So um, I like to say that I sort of optimized the process of e-commerce. I created a brand new framework for launching products online. And fast forward, you know, some years later, and now I've launched uh, five profitable e-commerce brands since then, um, the latest of which is called the e-commerce boardroom, where I share what I learned Uh, in terms of this new e-commerce product launch framework uh, with the world. Um, And so our mission at the e-commerce boardroom is very simple. Uh, We are set out to reduce the enormously high 97% failure rate uh, for e-commerce startups. 
Um, and we do that through uh, her free blog, our uh, various eBooks and my full length book, uh, course services. Um, and we're actually working to develop a SaaS platform, uh, a software tool that will be rolled out here in just a couple of months. So I, I don't think I did it. I think I blew that 90 second um, window, but, but that's about it there, Jeff. <laughs> Probably, probably only by about five seconds though. You were doing, you were doing so well. <laughs> um, so I suppose there's a couple of things there. The the first thing is is um, why do you why do you think that that failure rate is so high? Because we're living in this world where you know te- technology has never been um, so easy to get hold of, um, and we're bombarded by this is what you should do in order to, um, especially for information sellers or, or coaches and those sort of things. Why do you think is, there is such a high failure rate um, for the e-commerce side? Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, it's one that's sort of near and dear to my heart. Um, as, as I mentioned, this is sort of the mission of this, this latest brand that we've started. Um, I think there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, but one of the, the big things is, um, and you actually touched on it in the way you framed that question, which I appreciate, uh, what, I, what I like to call shiny object syndrome, uh, right? There is just, you know, there are so many opportunities that are presented to us online. Um, and if you're interested in starting a business and you sort of start doing your own research here and there, you know, um, perusing the internet for the right way to start a business or to make money using your Wi-Fi connection, right? You'll be led to, you know, any one of thousands of different little corners of the internet um, where somebody is professing to have found the golden ticket, right? To have identified the foolproof way to make millions of dollars online. Uh, And the reality is that doesn't actually exist. Um, Now, I think we're all sort of susceptible to that uh, to, to some extent. And I mentioned I failed originally when I got started with e-commerce. Um, and that's what I attribute for the most part my failure to um, is that I sort of wound up on one of these, um, you know, experts landing pages, um, or you could call them an internet marketing guru or something of the sort. Um, you know, not all of them are, are necessarily bad people in what they're doing, but many of them are, are sort of peddling um, this, this very expensive course that professes to teach you, again, this foolproof way to start a business when, in fact, uh, you know, 95 plus percent of their students will fail. Um, and, and that's sort of the, the cold reality of it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's much the same. I mean, I remember, and that shows my age. Before the days of the internet, um, I remember sitting opposite a good friend of mine, and I think I was about seventeen years old, um, and we had bought this thing, and it was a in a folder, and it was become a millionaire, and it was, um, you know, ultimately what it was was to get someone else to buy the folder um, that you had just bought. <laughs> And I remember kind of like being so deflated and ended up not making it work because to me it wasn't authentic even back then. But um, there are, you're right, there are so many things out there that say, and there's such, you know, it's that value on 
the 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 idea of price what's the magic price isn't it because you can go you know we've got this course and it's 25 dollars and it's the best one you can do and we look no it's too cheap but then there's the other one that goes for five thousand dollars you can have this and it's almost the same and then you go it's too expensive and it's it's you know, people have that sort of that yin and yang way of thinking about what is it that they need to do. And do you think part of that is is also because they haven't necessarily really sat down and thought what they want their business to be? Or do you think it's a mindset thing? What what else do you think is is part of that failure side? Yeah, I, I absolutely think mindset plays a role, you know, lack of focus, Um is another way you could put it. Um, I, I think that what people unfortunately don't realize is that, you know, coming up with your idea for a business should be just a one part of the process, right? Um, instead of kind of bouncing around from shiny object to shiny object, to use my little metaphor there, um, from opportunity to opportunity, um, take a step back, invest in the process of determining what your one business focus should be, right? And once you've done that exercise, you, you become single-mindedly focused on turning that vision into a reality. Um, and if you need to unsubscribe from some email lists or, you know, stop visiting certain blogs or, you know, stop going on social media to, to follow this or that influencer, in order to tune out the rest of the noise that often distracts you, then absolutely you should be doing that. You bring, it, that's actually a really, really good point. Um, it actually reminds me of a, a strategy that I was taught was take everything from your email, from your mailbox and have an RSS feeder or something. So when you want to consume content, you can choose to consume it rather than it just being almost like an explosive of information coming into your mailbox. Cause that that's that's another thing, isn't it? It's 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 interesting that shiny that shiny thing syndrome because it, it doesn't matter whether it's technology to create a course or whether it's some of the ones I come up with productivity apps. You know, they'll they'll look at Asana or they'll look at Trello or they'll look at something else, but actually they all do ultimately the same thing. But it may just have one nice little shiny cog that the other one doesn't have and they immediately move and don't give it time either to embed it and actually to dedicate some time and focus as you've said there um to actually do the work that's needed yeah i uh, couldn't couldn't agree anymore um so i mean that that kind of brings you to the next logical question i think which is you know what is the remedy to to all of this right um and and for me that's the answer is process um, and this is definitely colored by my background as a, a management and technology consultant. Um, what we what we did there, um, I worked for a company called Concilio. Um, we worked with corporate legal departments of you know very large, um, well recognizable brands, um, and we uh, fundamentally what we did is process optimization. Um, so we would go in and work with them to, you know, make things more efficient. And then we designed technology tools around what we had redesigned. And I'll just tell you, you know, a brief story to help kind of illustrate what I mean by this. I, I can remember sitting in a, uh, a conference room and, 
at this this oval shaped sort of boardroom table uh, around me sitting these sort of like uh, C-level executive types in this big Fortune 500 company. You can imagine me in my sort of early analyst days as a consultant, just sitting there sort of nervously trying not to say something stupid, <laughs> taking notes really. Um, and my boss, William, was actually running the show um, at this point. And he's standing at the head of this conference room with his back to the table uh, facing a whiteboard. And on this whiteboard is a series of like hieroglyphic looking markings, sort of, you know, indiscernible to the English language. If you didn't know what we were doing, you would think it was some sort of, you know, prehistoric caveman scratchings on the cave wall or something. Uh, but what it really was, it was just outlining this business process that this company had regularly went through. And, you know, my boss, William, uh, actually your countryman, he's a, an old British chap. Um, sitting there sort of pensively tapping his chin. And he was really setting out to optimize this process. So he picks up this big red marker and he just goes to town. He crosses out big sections of the board where pieces of the process were simply not needed. He erases and redraws arrows in the diagram to reorder the steps of the process. And he drew in little asterisks here and there where additional resources were perhaps needed. And, you know, he finally finishes all of this. He takes a step back, kind of admires his work. And basically, you know, as they say, drops the mic, essentially. Um, <laughs> he basically was like, this is it. This is what we need to do. And I'm sitting there just kind of, you know, sort of blown away that, at this whole exercise that he's just done. But what was more impressive was the fact that he then started explaining why he did what he did to this table full of executives. And lo and behold, they started buying in to this redesigned process that he had just totally revamped. And if you ever worked with large organizations, you'll know that change management is a huge deal, right? Getting, getting them to change even a small bit of what they do uh, takes a, an enormous effort. And this, I think, was the process that they used to approve invoices from vendors, so a non, you know, a very significant process in one sense. And, and yet they bought into it. So we designed this technology tool. We implemented it over a series of months. And to this day, that technology tool saves that company, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on an annual basis. So, so yeah, William, your, your countryman is well worth the hourly rate that um, the steep hourly rate, I'll add that, that this company paid for his services. Um, but, but that, that exercise, right, that process optimization exercise is the main thing that I took away from being a management consultant. And it's, I think, the, the sort of key to any business success that I've seen after that is my ability to apply that process optimization process, if you will, um, to my business. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think is as well now. Actually, your your um, see how you've experienced this is one of the things I often see in the entrepreneurial world is a lot of people have come from the corporate side into entrepreneurial. They've either decided that they want they think they can do it better on their own or they want to be their own boss. Whatever the journey is to get them to that point, and I think sometimes is they their their thought process is too rigid because they've come from the corporate world and they end up doing exactly what they try to run away from 
in their new business without taking a step back and doing um, what your colleague did, which was just take a step back and be willing to, you know, a few arrows, cut some bits off and stuff and try and, you know, almost lean, lean engineer it into going, actually, this is, this is a much more simpler process. Have you experienced that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, when I made the jump from sort of consulting more corporate style world into the world of entrepreneurship, it's a completely different game in in one sense. Um, And you have to be, um, you have to be sort of married to the uncertainty um, and the risk management that's associated with entrepreneurship, right? Um, You you have to, you have to acknowledge that, um, you're, you're toggling your risk meters a little bit, right? The, the, um, the potential payoff, of course, of starting a business is much higher. And that's one of the main reasons that many people get into entrepreneurship. Um, but of course the risk is it's all on your shoulders, uh, on the other side. Um, and so you have to, you have to adapt to that. I think, um, you have to, um, I, I think you have to take the best of what large organizations do, um, try to apply those things to your small business, but then you have to get rid of the stuff that a big organization does that doesn't work for entrepreneurship, right? You have to be nimble. You have to be quick and light on your feet. Uh, and I, I'd say that's the main difference. Which is one of the greatest gifts about being an entrepreneur is that ability to pivot very, very quickly. And I suppose when you're your, you're your own boss as well, retrospectively, you can kind of like look at it and go, okay, I can, I can do this. You don't have to wait for anyone else's permission. You can just change tack straight away as long as you're thinking of it from a strategic point of view and not solely driven by an emotion. Precisely. Yeah, absolutely. What, what sort what for you, when you talk about entrepreneur, what, what do you think are those key mindset attributes? I mean, you've talked about obviously being nimble and, and quick on your feet and those sort of things, but what else do you see as a comes from being a successful entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, I think in addition to the, um, you know, I, I mentioned focus and being sort of singularly almost obsessed with turning your vision into a reality. Um, I think that's, I think that's absolutely critical. Um, you, at the same time though, you have to, um, you have to create space for other things almost intentionally. Um, something that I've struggled with from a mindset perspective is that my business sometimes takes up, you know, 90 to 99% of my headspace <laughs> throughout the day. And, and I'm just constantly obsessing over, you know, this detail, whatever this next deal that I'm going to be pursuing. Um, but I think if you're, it's actually to your detriment if you if you do that. Um, it, it's much more beneficial, in my opinion, to give your brain time to um, give ideas time to incubate in your brain, right? Which is this phenomenon where if you don't think about something for a while, then you come back to it. Your brain has suddenly shifted its perspective and developed the idea further. Um, I think that's so critical. It's it's such a um, difficult thing for us to to do because it's not our natural inclination, but very important. Yeah, and and what for for you? Just before we jump over to the second part, how has COVID challenged you over the last sort of year and a bit? Absolutely. Um, so, uh, like I mentioned, I got into e-commerce after being um, you know interested in this idea of sort of selling products from my living room uh, without having to touch them. Um, so I got into that in, I'd say, 2018, I think, for the first time. 
Um, but I did attempt to start a brand new e-commerce brand uh, last year, 2020. Um, so this is this is sort of an extreme example of how COVID impacted my business. But we we had attempted to start a me and a business partner a travel accessory brand um, in about February of 2020. Now, as you all know, listeners and and you, Jeff, when the pandemic hit, travel went to zero. Um, so of course, a travel accessory brand was was not uh, you know set up to succeed. Um, now, what we did with that, we could have closed the shop and moved on, but instead we kind of decided to to try to pivot um, and use the momentum we had we had gained. So we had started a Shopify store, and I think for anyone who's out there um, who's listening, who's interested in potentially starting a business but hasn't yet, um, Shopify is a fantastic resource for you, um, and there are various business models you can deploy to to the world of Shopify and get started with you know creating an online store, even if you have no computer background, no coding expertise, um, which is a whole other conversation. But but we decided to kind of pivot the the brand away from travel and over to something that could actually thrive throughout the pandemic. Um, and so we sort of adapted our uh, our mindset about what the brand was set out to do. And we embraced the, the our surroundings, right? We embraced this environment that we were in. And so we decided to create a brand that could help people to kind of cope with um, the potential anxiety uh, that was driven up by the pandemic, um, cope with the new stay-at-home orders. Um, so we sold products that helped people with that, and we we helped to educate people on how best to protect their mindset um, and adjust to working from home. You know, working out from home, exercising at home. Um, all of those are huge adjustments, and we created a brand called Yuganite, um, which helped others to kind of navigate that. Uh, and we did very well with that brand. I'm, I'm very proud of what that brand was able to do. That's fantastic. But I suppose you've also raised the the thing is is do do you see a big surge of um you know of of that sort of home um, businesses being done from the the sort of kitchen table in its traditional sense because of COVID? Do you see that sort of, you know, the, uh, you know, Etsy and Shopify and those sort of things? Do you see that sort of um, growing even more than it has done because of what we've experienced over during COVID? I think that COVID perhaps accelerated a trend that was already, you know, taking place. So, yes, I think the answer is yes to your question. I mean, if you look at just the numbers, there are um, over a million merchants selling via Shopify now. Um, There are also actually the largest e-commerce platform is Amazon, of course. And there are over two million third party sellers who are using Amazon as their platform of choice. Um, And many of most of them are are just entrepreneurs like myself. And that's how I got started with selling products on Amazon. Um, and so, yeah, I think the pandemic has has boosted uh, people's trust in e-commerce and the idea of buying something online that they haven't seen or touched in person. Um, that trend had already been emerging, and I think this just ramped it up. Um, so, of course, because of that, I think that there are going to be you know, supply and demand, right? People are more um, apt to buy something online now. So, of course, new entrepreneurs are going to be starting new businesses uh, to help meet that demand. And now is never, I mean, this is the best time. I, I think a lot of people fear that they're too late to start an e-commerce business, um, but absolutely not. I think if you arm yourself with, you know, the fundamentals of 
entrepreneurship, e-commerce, and digital marketing, um, now is the perfect time to open a Shopify store or to start selling products on Amazon. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it's. I think there's a there's the there's a, we, when you're trying to do something, regardless of whether it's an e-commerce business, whether it's a YouTube channel, whether it's a podcast or whatever, there are always going to be people out there that go, it, "You've missed the boat," um, and. You know, I certainly was taught that with my with my podcast, and you you generally listen to you always listen to the people that say um, no, you shouldn't do it more than the people that say yeah, go go for it. Um, but it's 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 crazy because I think is is when if you can do something and you can do it well, you will shine. It doesn't matter whether someone's been doing it for years, but if the if Pardon the French, but if you're crap at it compared to if you're better than the the, the um, competitors because they're crap, then actually you're going to shine over. And it doesn't mean whether they've been going for ten years or you've been going for twelve months. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, what I would say, and even to add on to that, is it, just be honest, right? Be be yourself. Be your unique, different self. Um, and that's what will, will make you stand out. You know, just because there are 10 other people uh, who are already, you know, running a podcast or a hundred other people who are running a podcast in your niche, uh, that doesn't mean that you can't start a successful podcast. In fact, you should look at that and say, you know what, that's a signal from the market that there is demand for such a podcast. Now, if I can find my, I carve out my space in the market, um, then I'm going to succeed. That's the mindset you should have. Love it, Charles. Love it. Um, okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to jump over to the second part of the show. Um, so this is where I ask you a set of questions that I ask every guest that comes on the show just to find common threads and words and pearls of wisdom from our guests. So are you ready, sir? Let's do it. Okay, so the first question is, on average, how much time roughly do you dedicate to self-development a week? Um, that's body, mind and spirit. Uh, I would say probably about two hours a day. So between 10 and 15 hours a week. I think it's critically important. Do you have a specific modality? Is it audio books or reading or podcasts? What, what do you, what do you enjoy doing the most? Yeah. I was thinking about mind, body, and spirit. I, I, I love to read. So for, for sharpening the mind, yeah, I, I try to read 30 minutes a day. Um, definitely try to get some exercise, you know, body wise, even if it's walking, you know, at various times during the day, um, 30 minutes or so. Um, yeah. And then for me, prayer and meditation, uh, very important as well. So those are my three. Brilliant. Okay. Number two, what book has made the biggest impact to your self-development and personal growth and why, and it doesn't need to be a traditional self-development book. Ah, Okay. I, I think I'm going to have to go with a probably a cliche answer here, but it just it's it's just an honest one for me. Um, Dale Carnegie's "How to Win Friends and Influence People." Yeah, it's a powerful book. Oh my gosh! For the longest time, I could not get myself to read it just because of the title. Right, the, the title of the book was for for whatever reason so off putting to me, um, but it's phenomenal. And and now I read it every couple of years. Um, it, if you haven't read it, people listening, it's just it's about you know really the principles of human relations, right? How to listen to people, how to deal with people, how to um, form better relationships. And that, at the end of the day, that's the, that's the key to any business. 
Yeah, funny enough, thinking grow rich was that with me. Because I was like, that's just a silly title. Who's but everyone who when I started, certainly when I started to get into this work, the first one was there was the the thinking grow rich, there was how to win friends, there was the richest man in Babylon, there was the alchemist, there were all these books. And I was like, some of these like that you just looked at the covers and went. When was this written? When the Bible was being written or something. But it it they, you know, the old books are some of the best ones. You can't you can't d- deny them. Yeah, no joke. They're classics for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I could have written it. Um so no number three is what app makes the biggest impact to your business or personal life? Uh personal life, let's see. Uh the Amazon app is ruining my marriage because of how much I spend on there. Could be worse. Could be who you're no. married to who's yeah. spending it. <laughs> no, I, yeah, exactly. No, I, I kid. But I think personal, actually, uh, I've been turned on recently to the Libby app. I'm not sure if this is only useful in the United States. Probably, actually. Um, but it's a way to it's a way to download uh, library books for free. Um, so instead of spending a fortune on eBooks on Amazon, um, this is my kind of new way to grab books. Ah, okay. I've got another one up for you to do that. Have a look at scribed.com. Scribed, okay. Yeah, S-C-R-I-B-D.com. And it's um it's like a low cost, like seven ninety well, seven pounds ninety-nine a month, but it's unlimited ebooks, audio books, um, even sheet music if that's how you roll. Um, but it does that sort of stuff as well. But that's I've actually found that really, really good. And I love uh, Audible, but there is that cost implication sometimes. Sure. Very cool. I'll check that out. What about business? Do you use, do you use any apps specifically for, for business that you find really useful? Uh, yeah. You know, email marketing is a big part of my business. Um, so I, I love MailerLite. Um, I'm not sure if folks are familiar with that one. Most people use MailChimp, I think, but MailerLite is um, a fantastic one. And they have a great mobile app that allows me to run campaigns from my phone. Um, It's great. Big fan. Cool. And number four, what's your biggest business mistake that turned into a valuable lesson? And what did it teach you? (laughs) Yeah, this is a good one. for for me, you know, at dealing with e-commerce, I'm I'm in the business of oftentimes importing products to the United States from overseas, various countries. Um, one of the first times that I did that, um, I I made a pretty crucial mistake. Now, there's a lot of paperwork that's typically involved when you are um, when you are importing a product into the U.S. At least, I'm, I'm sure in other countries as well. Um, now, there are a set of addresses that are important. There's, uh, of course, the delivery address, uh, but there's also something called the consignee address. Um, now, I mixed these two addresses up when the first time I was filling out this, this paperwork. Now, what does that actually amount to? Well, what that means is one morning, a truck driver woke up and, per my instructions, had planned to drop off a truckload, 50,000 disposable plates, which was the product that I was selling at the time, to my address in in Chicago, (laughs) to my small apartment complex. Um, I I can't imagine what would have happened if they had actually showed up at my doorstep. I think the doorman would have had thrown a fit. Um, But fortunately, what happened is my my freight agent caught the mistake, gave me a call. 
uh, and just said to me, um, you know, this doesn't look right. Uh, usually warehouses do not have an apartment number, sir. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so luckily they, they were able to rectify that. But th- what it taught me is essentially just the details matter. Um, and so take care um, and pay attention. Yeah, I I, I um, g- gave a similar example to my wife when she ordered instead of ten bananas, ten kilos. <laughs> That's a shitload of bananas, and I think he thought I had monkeys in the house or something because it was like, I mean, "Is this right?" I went, "No, it's Is this not." The local zoo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I've got two children. That's almost the same, but no, not quite. Um, okay, number five. What are your challenges on harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them? We kind of like roughly went over this about that sort of the commitment with work and stuff, but you know, that sort of, I don't like work-life balance. I preferred harmonizing, but how do you manage it? Yeah, I'll put a different spin on it for this answer. Um, I, I work from home uh, 100% of the time. Um, and so working remotely, I think and many people are probably, you know, experiencing this now, especially with the pandemic, um, and that is a challenge in itself um, that I think you have to really intentionally deal with. Um, for me, what I've found is um, creating boundaries is very important. Um, so setting a physical space aside within uh, your house or your apartment or wherever you live um, specifically for work and for nothing else um, is, is very important. It helps to compartmentalize uh, your work and when you get up from that seat, when you get up from your home office, if you will, um, you're able to disengage much more easily. Um, and there's there's that temptation, right? Since we are at home um, all the time, or when we're working and we're you know sort of decompressing from work, to just keep working, keep answering emails, keep you know doing whatever it is. So I, you know I also have a policy to just to not even look at my inbox after a certain time. Uh, 7 p.m. works for me. Um, but you have to figure out what for you the boundary is. I think that that's important. Yeah, and it's a great it's a great lesson to 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 create those habits that help you differentiate between you know home and personal time to work. Because as you say, and we're you know many certainly a lot of my clients are. Uh, are dealing with the challenges of working from home and not being able to switch off because they're not they're not they're not really they're they're not geared to work at home they're geared to work in an office and switch off on the commute home or whatever um it is quite a challenge just out of curiosity do you um you work from home do you stand at the desk or do you sit uh yes to both actually i have a a nice little convertible standing desk um i think it's I think it's helpful for my back <laughs> to alternate throughout the day um, from sitting to standing. Do you find standing is good for certain tasks and sitting for others, or is it literally just as soon as you sort of your your spine says please rest, that's when you start sitting down? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, it's it's the the back is the the king of the castle <laughs> from that perspective. Right. <laughs> okay number six what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out yeah uh, it goes back to what i mentioned about process um entrepreneurship and in particular i'm speaking about e-commerce because for me that's that's my expertise right um e-commerce and entrepreneurship are both big learnable repeatable processes right there's no stabbing in the dark required um, it's 
it's like, think of it like learning to change a tire, right? Or perform CPR or something of the sort, right? We, we don't come out of the womb knowing how to do these things, but they are learnable. And e-commerce entrepreneurship is the same way. Um, if there's a piece where you say, you know, I can't do it because of X, whatever that X is, there is a process for, for achieving it. And someone has walked the walk before you um, and you can learn the right process. Right. And so uh, that, that's what I'm big on. I'm big on process. You know, we created a, a process for starting an e-commerce business um, and it is totally all encompassing. We, I believe we've hit every possible question that you need to answer in order to start a business. Um, but, but we're just one resource out there, right? I mean, you can, the internet is the greatest repository of information ever assembled and you can learn anything that you need to learn. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think that's the, I think the, as you said, and you, you've kind of like mentioned a couple of times on the thing, it's that sitting down and looking at what you're doing and then stripping it back and creating the process in it. So whether it's content creation or recording a podcast or whether it's um, doing your email marketing or working on how your pipeline works, all of them will have a process. If you put an, if you churn enough stuff through, you can then strip it down to its basics and go, okay, these cogs make it as, as what your colleague did with the whiteboard, because then sometimes you can look and go, wow. Okay. I've, I've saved a huge amount of time just by doing this. It's what often I, um, I couldn't kind of like go through an experimental process sometimes and I'll go, okay, let's look at this particular part of my business and how can I make it more efficient? Um, but you've got to implement the fun aspect on that as well, because you're looking at bettering it. You're not looking at making it more complicated, but it's going through. It's probably a lot of things. A lot of times what stops people from doing that is because of the difficulty at the beginning. You consciously become aware that actually this is going to take a bit of work. And sometimes they just back off and go, no, that's all right. It's not worth it. But it so is. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I think we're such creatures of habit, right? That we get, ingrained in our processes. And you're right, we have to take a step back periodically. You have to schedule time to take a step back, examine what you've been doing and, uh, you know, set out to make things better. Yeah. Cause even, even getting up earlier, even if you're a sort of, well, don't like put, you know, I go to bed at, I don't know, let's say someone says I go to bed at one o'clock. I'd love to go to bed earlier. Well, that's not difficult to do, but it's still a process because you've got to kind of like educate yourself to do it. Because as soon as you give yourself a shock to the system, you've, you're not going to do it because it's too radical. So you're far better to build to getting to, I don't know, if you want 10 o'clock at night, then fine. If you want to make sure you're getting eight hours of sleep, there's a process to get eight hours of sleep because sometimes we're, you know, we've got to control our mind to switch off. So like you do, you stop looking at your emails at seven o'clock. That could be part, the start part of a process to help you to go to bed earlier. It's just, it's just, you've just got to give yourself time and be willing to do it. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, number seven, what is your definition of success? Yeah, this is a really, I've never been asked this. This is a very interesting question, but um, I, I come at this from, from actually a Christian perspective. Um, and C.S. Lewis said, it's not your business to succeed, but to do right. 
Um, and I really like that. Um, I think there's a certain profundity in that very simple statement. Um, for me, what, what does it mean to truly do right? Um, for me, that's to listen um, in my spirit to discern what I feel God compelling me to do and to, to do it, to vigorously proceed, uh, excuse me, to vigorously pursue um, what I feel I'm being called to do. And as long as I'm doing that in an honest way, um, I think that's success. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I love asking this question because I think, it, and, and I, I, and I know I keep going on about this when people listen to the show, but everyone's version is different. And that's the beauty of it. It's don't pursue someone else's because someone else's is done. And it doesn't perfectly fit with how your version of success needs to be. So it's that, you know, that I love that. That's, that's fantastic. Um, question number eight, do you have any daily routines and rituals that help make a huge positive impact to your day? Yeah, I'm actually a morning person. Um, I love to, to get up early and really set the tone for the day. Um, so that the first thing that I'm doing isn't work. <laughs> That's the main goal. Um, so, <laughs> so I, you know, I get up six, six thirty in the morning. Um, I meditate, I pray, I read, I uh, have my coffee, um, by seven 45, I'm, I'm ready to go and I'm, I'm feeling, feeling good and, and just kind of, uh, yeah, ready to start my work day. And have you always had that ethos of that sort of start the day well, whether it be meditation, pray, or waking up early and kind of like taking control so you don't just dive straight into work? No, uh, not historically. I had to I had to force myself to get into the habit. Um, Probably it's been two years now since I started doing that, Um, and I don't think I'll ever go back. I, I love the morning. I really do. Cool, cool. Um, we're at the last part of the show. So this is an opportunity for you to tell us a little bit more about Boardroom, how we can find out more about it, um, and any other ways that we can get hold of you or anything else you would like to share. Take it away, Charles. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. Um, yeah, the e-commerce Boardroom is this platform that I'm creating to, to share my e-commerce process uh, with anyone who's interested and starting a business, you know, selling products online that you never have to see or touch. Um, I've been mentioning this this process over and over again that I believe we've really optimized. Um, we used it to start five successful, profitable e-commerce brands in the last two years. Um, we actually created a special page um, just for uh, the Success IQ podcast listeners where you can go and for free download an outline of this entire process. Um, I give away the information because I believe that it should be free. And I believe that if you, you know, read the process and it resonates with you, um, then maybe we'll work together someday. Uh, but if it doesn't just, you know, unsubscribe, you know, throw it away. It's okay. I won't be offended, but, but just check it out. It's free. I promise it's worth it. Um, head to www.5qbook. Dot com. That's the number five, the letter Q, book.com slash Jeff for the host of this podcast. And um, you, that's where you'll be able to just punch in the email address, grab the free download. Our main site is www.ecomboardroom.com, ecom with two M's, boardroom.com. That's where we have our free blog, uh, which walks through pretty much every e-commerce business model that you can imagine. Um, another great resource for you. 
And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well at, um, you know, at Ecom Boardroom. Uh, so I think that's it. I really thank everybody for listening to what I have to say. Um, it's been a pleasure to be on with you. That's right. Listen, um, it's it, it's funny now when when we give details, it's almost like a Rolodex of social media and links and everything. It's it's one of those things. But thank you so much for joining me on the show. I've really enjoyed having you on. It's been um, a joy to listen to you, your expertise and your wisdom um, and just have an amazing day. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jeff. Really appreciate it. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening. And it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast. And that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.